Should we do this live? Yeah. Podcast live. Yeah, let's do it live. Everybody, listen right okay. now. Okay. Don't Great. don't watch the current show. That's I'm, on. Everybody, call this number. Uh, Brad, what's your phone number? Uh, no, nope. can't do that. <laughs> what? Can't what? do that. Oh uh, boy. Well, I'm not giving mine out, and I'm not giving uh, Megan's out. I already gave yours out. Call Jordan. He's oh, at home. Go. He's sick. Yeah. Where, yeah. where is Jordan? What happened to he, him? His throat is bothering him, which kind of uh, keeps you from doing a podcast. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. That's the one thing you need. Just your throat for podcasting. I think think you need a lot more. No, than just, just your throat. So she get some throats in a jar to do a podcast. <laughs> Isn't that what we already are? Gross. Yeah. Uh, I remember when Sean Graham, uh, our dearly, our dear, dearly beloved Sean Graham, was here. He apparently played a game when he was a kid called Neck Throat. That doesn't sound good. (laughs) Basically, uh, my understanding, my limited understanding of the rules of the game were at any time you could walk up behind one of your friends and just choke them out. (laughs) (laughs) That... Oh, no. He brought this up during one of our D one of our D and D games, uh, Barky's Brigade, back in the early days. He <laughs> was like, "Well, you guys played neck throat, right?" And we're like, "What? <laughs> That's called almost murder, right?" Yeah, is well, what that game is you know, called. He's from Colorado, so oh. <laughs> kind of makes sense. Oh uh, right? yeah, yeah. Couldn't they have come up with a better name too? I mean, it is. I now I'm from Minnesota, so I have heard of you know like I call it duck duck gray duck. Not Duck Duck Goose, it's Duck Duck Grey Duck. Grey Duck. Well, I've never heard That's of that. That's actually the original name for it. Huh. Um, from the, the game was invented in like Sweden or something like that. Uh, and it somehow in Amer- America got, you know, perverted to Duck Duck Goose. But in Minnesota, <laughs> in a very specific area of the country, Minnesota and like parts of Wisconsin, it's called Duck Duck Grey Duck. Um, so I've heard like weird names for games. Neck Throat is yeah. not one that has ever come it's up. Like, I'd call it like Sleepy Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, see, that sounds fun. No, it does until not. You, until yeah. you, you know, get explained that you're going to get choked out. Sleepy yeah. Surprise sounds like something that you get convicted for as oh, a yeah. per- person, okay. you know, person. <laughs> not so good. Working right. for the Weinstein Company yeah. or something like that. Okay. Oh, Sleepy Surprise. Yep. Mm, yeah. Yeah. All right. Why I understand. That's seven, not good. seven counts of Sleepy Surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think that Neck Throat sounds any better, no. to be honest. I don't think... So yeah, it sounds like something that a, a child would get convicted for in like children's court. Duck, you, duck, neck, throat. You're guilty of sleepy surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the corner for seven years. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like. Well, that seems like a good note to let you know who right. we are. Let's do it. What's happening? <laughs> who, who are these people talking about? Exactly. Neck, throat, and sleepy surprises. We are a trio of uh, GMs and and role playing gamers, if you will, and uh, we're here to give you some ideas for your games and, and talk about how to run a game of your own. I, I just said it twice. We're going to do both of those things for you. I'm Megan. I'm Garab. I'm Tom. Our very special guest, Tom Lowell. Hello, yes. everyone. Welcome. Yay, Tom Lowell. Thank you for listening to our, our podcast here at Experience Pointers. Our podcast. I'm just a yeah. guest here. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking Jordan's seat at the mm-hmm. table, and I'm literally taking ownership. His, <laughs> his third of the stake in the podcast. Well, that's all right. Yeah. He's not here. So, that's right. you know, yeah. sick or not, I yeah. mean, yeah. he's out. If he's mad about it, he can just go on the server and delete the episode. That's, that's true. He, I don't <laughs> think he knows how to do that. In so. which case, he, you, won't, you won't be hearing this, right? Right now. <laughs> Very uh, true. What are we talking about today, Megan? Uh, well, today we are talking about character voices in in your RPG games. Uh, so that's kind of a specific name for something that I think we're going to talk about. It's a bit more broad than that. Character mm-hmm. voices is really only one aspect. Um, but this is actually kind of an interesting um, topic. Actually, though, before we get to the topic, we have a sponsor. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Benjamin is our sponsor. Benjamin M. Danish. I can say your name correctly. Look at me go. Uh, So this will be the pun of the episode from Benjamin here. And the pun goes like this. Why did the new D&D player stop by the bakery on the way to the game? What do you got, Tom? Um, Because he wanted to croissant the road. (laughs) Close. Close. Because he heard it was a role-playing game. Oh! Oh, Nice. That's clever. Yes, yes. Thank you, Benjamin and Danish, for your continued support. That's right. Thank you very much, Benjamin. That was... That was good. That was very specific to what we're talking about here, too. If you play on Sunday mornings, you might enjoy a cinnamon role-playing game. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah! (laughs) Hey, guess who's not sponsoring the podcast? (laughs) Me. (laughs) 
yes, yes. Yes, so today we are going to talk about character voices. And um, Tom here actually has quite a, quite a bit of experience doing this. Uh, Tom, let's talk, let's talk about you for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk people, about me. Who is this guy? People mm-hmm. who don't know who you are. Who, uh, people who, who don't know me. Who are you, Tom? And why, do you, why are you on this podcast? <laughs> why, why am I? Well, why do you get mixed up in this world? Uh, I have been role-playing, playing D&D for a long time. Literally decades. decades. Literally decades. Um, so I sort of, I cut my teeth playing AD&D when I was like 14 with... Um, 14, yeah, 14 with my with my buddies in junior high. I actually kind of I wanted to, I wanted to start playing D anD D. My parents like it was the eighties, so it was like mm. you know that kind of the satanic panic mm. time. And my parents were like, oh, I don't know, we've got a friend, and their son is really into that in a way that we don't think is healthy. And I'm like, oh, I'd like the the maps look cool. <laughs> they got these neat dice. Nope. Uh, and then I got a copy of Star Frontiers. Like I get them to sign off on the sci-fi thing. I'm like, oh. oh yeah, you do re- read a lot of science fiction. Well, if there's a game that's like science fiction, well, oh sure. Mm-hmm. So I got a copy of Star Frontiers, and then I just carried that around at school until I met a bunch of people who were like, "Why are you carrying that around? You should be playing Dungeons and Dragons." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> uh, it was not that deliberate of a plan, but that is how it worked out. And uh, I've been playing. D&D and other games uh, ever since. So playing, DMing, um, I, I, my buddies and I quickly saw that like Gen Con was sort of like the holy grail of, and we were in Minnesota, right? So at that time it was in Milwaukee. So it was only a four and a half hour car ride to go to Gen Con. Nice. And we would read Dragon Magazine and read about this thing called oh. Gen Con. Like we got to go to this thing. Yeah. And literally like, you know, a year later or whatever, we convinced our parents, like, would you take us to... Because none of us could drive. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they did. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Like, my, my, my buddy's parents were from, from Wisconsin, and they were from the Milwaukee area. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll turn it into a fun vacation. We'll pack everybody in the car. We'll drop you boys off at the convention center. And we'll go sightseeing. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Mm. <laughs> like a bunch of teenage boys that like literally just drop them off at the convention center and they're like we'll be back at eight <laughs> and you got to keep in mind this is before pagers this mm-hmm. is before cell phones we were staying at a hotel that was like 15 miles outside of town because wow. it was cheaper um so it was just like <laughs> they'd drop us off at like ten in the morning. I'm like, have fun, fellas. Wow. Make sure you save ten bucks for lunch. I'm like, okay, a whole lot of trust. <laughs> and in then you. we would run around and play. Uh, I mean, play you're still here, so everything yeah, worked it, out. It worked out. It worked out. Uh, to be honest, we got into more trouble later when we were oh. of drinking age. <laughs> Sleep, sleepy time surprise. <laughs> we, oh, God. we really enjoyed a rousing game of neck throat. Oh, <laughs> Alcohol induced so neck throat. That's the worst well, kind. No, yeah. it's the worst kind. Um. Yeah, so it was. So I went to. to we, we actually started running events at Gen Con. We, oh. we figured out, like, oh, if you just run so many players, like, so many times, like, we did the math on what the volunteer thing was, like, you get a free badge. And so we started. We did this thing called uh, the Dungeon Duel of Albuquerque, right? Whoa. It was named after our buddy Al Baker. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and the whole premise was a demon had trapped you in the abyss and you were slaves of his. And he was promising to free you, but you had to kill, you know, the other party, right? So it was a head-to-head dungeon crawl kind of mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. uh, I would DM one table of eight players. My buddy would DM another table of eight players. And then we had one guy who would run back and forth and be like, okay, they're over here on the map. They're right, all right, they're at this spot. They just took these three things. All right, this isn't here anymore. It was actually, like, fairly um, fun. It wasn't something, like, or- dramatically original that we came up with. But we had our own original spin on, on the concept. And so we ran that like I don't know, like seven or eight, nine times, something wow. like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, fast forward to you know the most the past five years, I started playtesting D and D five, and and I've run a campaign. I've been playing with a group here in LA for the past twelve years. Wow. I, kinda, I got here and <laughs> I was I was cutting my reel. And I was, way back in the early days of the internet, I was on, I was in a short called Fear of Girls, right? Which is about two guys who play way too much Dungeons and Dragons and uh, have, you know, 
remarkably distorted kind of views of women and da 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 And my character, Doug Douglason, is like, ugh, women are the worst. And the other guy, um, uh, played by my buddy Scott Jorgensen, uh, his character is more like, well, yeah, but it would, I mean, it'd be fun, like, if we could... Wouldn't it be all right? And Doug is like, no. <laughs> um, anyway, so in, in uh, I, I, I did this short in, back in 2006, like when YouTube was brand new, like so new that we didn't even upload it to YouTube, right? Like it was still like, what, I don't know, like I don't remember what channel we put it out on. Anyway, so I was in this thing, Fear of Girls, um, and, and these guys were technically LARPers. They weren't D&D guys. But I was cutting my reel, and the guy who was who was cutting my who was do, actually doing the editing was like, "Oh man, this this kind of takes me back to my old gaming days." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, you used to play some." I had a real snotty attitude about it because you know back then when people would say like, "Oh yeah, like I've played Dungeons and Dragons," they'd be like, "Oh okay, so you're." brother came home from college one summer and you played it twice and then you never played it again or right. whatever and i'm like oh so you've uh so you played some dungeons and dragons huh you know <laughs> and i had been extensively involved in uh, monty cook's forums like he had forums for malhavik press back when he was running that <clears throat> and so i was pretty pretty full of myself and the guy goes oh yeah yeah i used to play a lot of D. &D. Uh, i used to sculpt miniatures too and, and i was like hang up um like, I've, you know, you paint miniatures, but, like, who Sculpt? sculpts yeah. miniatures? Yeah. I'm like, wow. sculpt miniatures? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Reaper. <laughs> like, yeah, I've heard of Reaper. He's like, yeah, back in the day, I did their original Beholder. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what is happening? And it turns out, yeah. So you've this, been out nerding. Yeah, yeah, it was like, like he swung the hammer, so... So that sort of opened the conversations, like, let's get a D&D game going. And so with that group, uh, I played a bunch of 3rd Edition and Arcana Evolved. And then we started playtesting um, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and so on and so on. And sort of through, I started a web series called Dungeon Bastard about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And we did that for two and a half, three years. Um, and it's sort of on a hiatus right now. <clears throat> um but that, that also raised my profile within the community. And it was a fun, you know, it was a fun kind of satirical take on the old grognards of D&D, &D, right? Right. I've seen some of them. They're pretty, pretty great. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it was a good time. It was fun stuff to write. Um, honestly, like getting anything like that funded is the tricky part. We just sort of, right. we ran out of money. The production company dissolved. And now the rights are sort of in limbo and... So I haven't done anything new with that for a while, but I still do tweet out of that account. Now it's more of a traditional, like, let me give you my experience, my take, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I got involved with Saving Throw, and that's how I met you guys. And <laughs> now I run this game on Wednesdays that, you know, our final episode, uh, our season finale is coming up. On Wednesday, yeah. tomorrow night as we record this, but yeah, this will be it'll have already have happened by the time be a couple weeks old at yeah. that point mm -hmm. for this, but yeah, that is tomorrow, and uh, yeah, me and Megan have been playing for the past what four months, three months. How long has it been? It's um, we're on episode Six I think months? fourteen or something like that, so it's got to be oh, like yeah. four at least. Yeah, four or five. No, longer than that, because episode 14 is just for Expedition of the Barrier Peaks. Oh, that's true. Oh, right. That's true. That's there true. was the whole mystery and water, water team. Water, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which went a little longer than you wanted it to. <laughs> Everything I do goes longer than I want it to. That's, that, that has less to do with the material and more with the, to do with the Dungeon Master. So. <laughs> right, right. Heed um, my, you know, my advice is to be taken with a grain of salt, everyone. Right. So Just like that intro, which took 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> you made the mistake of asking the question. Well, I didn't know. Um, so, you've been DMing for decades, as you said. And, yes. And uh, you probably have something to say about character voices. And I've seen you do quite a few on yes. Iron Key Chronicles. So, uh, I'll have you start about what you think uh, character voices bring to a game and the importance of them. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that they are overrated. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I th I I think we have a lot of examples where people either on stream do a bunch of voices like myself or like you guys. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we have you know examples from other shows, especially not you know the now that that 
that Twitch has really exploded the actual play experience. Mm-hmm. I think you, you you do see a lot of people doing sort of performance based role playing, but I don't think that that's where you should start with your game experience at all, right? Mm-hmm. I really do feel like I I want to say it's part of me says like it's the icing on the cake, but I don't think that's true, right? I I, I think that's a little too. I feel like it's a bicycle and you can either pedal it hard or you can just sort of coast on it. You don't have to, you don't have to use it as it's not required to run a good game. Right. And it's not required for you to be a good GM. Yes, there are good GMs who do character voices and that adds a certain dimension to it. But I think there's also bad GMs who try to do good character voices Mm -hmm. and don't you know, don't run a good game. And ultimately it's like, it's two things. You have to run a great experience, right? That's, everybody's there to create a memory. That's always the way that I look at uh, a role-playing experience, uh, you know, role-playing game is you're there to create that memory of like, oh, remember the troll had us up against the wall and I were, I thought we were going to, we're totally, you know, and the paladin was down and our cleric was out and I thought you're totally, and then you narrowed that nat 20 and you divine smited him and exploded him into 15 chunks or whatever, you know, that particular moment is. But we're all, we're all hunting for, you know, we're going to get together, we're going to hang out with our friends, we're going to do something creative and social together, but we're all trying to zero in on that moment where we create a memory. And maybe we create three memories, and maybe there's one standout thing that we're always going to remember for the next X, you know, years of our life or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's what you're trying to trying to do. And the voices may play into that, maybe they don't. Yeah, but I, I will say we are probably, uh, us three are probably a little more biased about character voices because we do do this for a show most of the time. We do have home games, but we are doing it for a show. So we, I mean, I, I bring that atmosphere to my home games as well, but we know that doing it for an audience is different than doing it at a home game. And we are probably the 1% of the 100% doing this for voices like that. Like, I'm sure people do it at home games, but not to the extent that we do. Well, I will say as a perfectionist and as a, uh, a very, very new GM, um, that is that that d- did get in my head of like, well, crap, I gotta. I don't think of myself as being very good at doing distinct voices. That's just not where my strength lies. I, my strength lies in putting different feel, like the the emotion, the energy into a character, and that is not always something that, come, in my mind, comes across very distinct. So I definitely I, that has definitely gotten in my head. But I do think you're right. I think it's way more important to have. To me, the only purpose really of having character voices is to be able to tell a difference between the NPCs, almost to make it easier for your PCs to be able to tell who they're currently talking to. But that doesn't have to be a voice. I mean, that can be that can be any number of things. That can mm-hmm. be some sort of, I mean, like, you could have a prop that you go, this is who I am right now, and you don't even do a voice at all. Right. It's just, here's the distinction between it. And then, of course, it's the other important part is that they get the information or whatever it is that they need. And then it comes down to the game, the people who are playing. And and really, I think it comes down to um, the GM or the DM, what, what what your particular strength is in running a game. For some people, it may be voices. It may be, oh, I love doing crazy voices and we really get into that. But for a lot of people, it might not be. And like for me, for example, if I got hung up on that, where that's not really my strength, then I might run a crappy game. So yeah, I definitely right. think, I think it's really, really easy Today, especially because it's out in the world and there's entertainers doing this who do voices like that to get hung up on that part. And I don't I don't think you need to. I also think there are a lot of different ways that you can approach character voices. Mm -hmm. Sort of like what I was saying. It doesn't it doesn't have to be voice actor quality, different kinds of voices. Like here's my cartoon character. Here's my evil villain voice or whatever. It can it can you can approach it in very different ways. I mean, I've had GMs who don't do voices at all, but who the way they describe the person is what makes them distinct. Which right, honestly, right. I don't look back and go, well, I hated that game because he didn't have a cool character voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think about it like that. I, I think the role, the the real role that character voices play in an RPG is they allow the GM to bend shape alter the tone of what's happening at the table mm-hmm. sure right i mean no matter what 
you are you are demarcating, you're drawing a line in the sand and saying, okay, I am leaving normal interface space with you, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to put on a voice, and I'm going to make, I'm going to create a tone around this character, around this moment, around what's happening at the table. Now, whether that's I'm going to make things a little goofier, or I'm going to make things more threatening, or I'm going to make things more mysterious or alien or whatever it is, you know, there's you know, literally a thousand different ways that you can bend the tone, shape the tone of your game. But where you can get in trouble is, I meant this to be a very serious and engaging moment, mm-hmm. and my players got self-conscious, or I didn't pull the voice off properly, and now the tone has strayed dramatically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think also that tone is is like the, the, the finest kind of knob on all of your GM tools to kind of tune to, right? You've mm-hmm. got the premise of the situation. Is it engaging? You've got the the flow of information around the table. Are the players having good repartee with each other? Are they communicating with you well, etc.? There's the inherent drama of playing with the mechanics, and we get into combat and roll our dice and roll our damage, and there's that inherent kind of stuff that you don't really need to... Like, that's all, all kind of baked in, right? So you can have a complete role-playing experience, and then, like, the last part of it is, well, what is this encounter? What's the tone of this encounter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where character voices really, like, that's where they do a lot of their heavy lifting, although you can also achieve that through other means. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, yeah. so yeah. now that we've t- talked for, you know, five minutes about why you don't need to do character voices. <laughs> you don't have to, is what we're saying. They're you don't not, have to. And I think, not that, I think that the, the second half to that is you have to meet your players at wherever they're comfortable, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. they might not be comfortable, A, like, they themselves doing a character voice, or... You might not think about this, but they might not be comfortable watching you or interacting with you doing a character voice. Mm-hmm. That they might get self-conscious about the fact that you are doing it. Right. Yeah, I've seen that happen in games, especially with new players. It's kind of it can be startling. It can be incredibly intimidating for a new player, even if they they somehow have gotten past the point in which they don't feel like they have to have a character voice. But all of a sudden you're doing as a GM or a DM this crazy character voice and it's sort of this pressure of like, oh, do I need to do that? And and now we're we're acting. This is kind of weird, you know. Right. I, I think that's definitely can be intimidating. Yeah. On the other hand, you get, you know, there are certainly players who like they want to create that character mm-hmm. and they want to do that thing and they want to go for it, which is which is great when you get somebody who's that invested in it, you know. Yeah. But you have to meet each individual player sort of at the level that they're willing to to yeah. engage at. Mm-hmm. So, so character voices, you don't have to do them, but for the people who do want to do them, what are some good fundamentals to help them along the way? Yeah. So, I I I think my impression is that people have this overblown sort of idea of, you know, almost they have to have this method actor approach yeah, and they right. have to really do some wildly distorted voice that's dramatically outside who they are and, and has some great accent to it. And, and to be fair, like we've all heard really good voice acting in the various video games that we consume and whatnot, right? Mm. So we're, we, there is a certain standard that's out there. But... I think there's some very simple steps that you can take that differentiate, create a different character than just your normal voice. And there's one voice that everybody, you know, 98% of the population out there, you know, who can speak in a normal voice that can do. And that voice is very simple. It's very straightforward and it's very effective. And it's just the whisper. Hmm. I'm going to talk like this. That's all I'm doing is whispering. But it makes you lean in. It makes you listen. It sounds different than your normal voice. Mm-hmm. It indicates something different is happening in the atmosphere of the game. And that character can be the mysterious stranger in the corner who gives you the quest. Mm-hmm. He can be the warrior who's been beaten brutally in vicious combat. He can be the mysterious scheming archmage. He can be, you know, all of those different, there's a whole array of characters that that voice can apply. He can be the ghost who appears in the middle of the night in the moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those things, and it's just by whispering. Mm-hmm. Now, I think <laughs> your first rule of voice acting is don't get too annoying with it, right? <laughs> and that's the easy, you know, that's the easy line to accidentally cross over is 
if your players aren't into you whispering, mm-hmm. <laughs> like two minutes of it is okay. But if right. after ten minutes they're like, I, no, seriously, I literally can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> Can you just yeah. speak in a normal voice? Like maybe it's time to like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. tap out. And go back to your and but at least they have an idea then like okay this is who this guy speaks as mm-hmm. a, a great tip for doing character voices is you can introduce the character with a very distinctive heavy accent and then gradually ease out of it or let go of it mm-hmm. and they know like you know they know who it was mm-hmm. they, but you don't have to maintain the entire time right mm-hmm. it's easier for you and them to kind of ease into a normal voice after a long while of doing it yeah 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 i mean uh, 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 do you have to commit to doing this voice for 45 minutes no mm-hmm. you don't have <laughs> yeah. to you can introduce who it is and then easily just sort of hand wave like yeah. okay Etc. So would would, would uh, doing the opposite of whispering also be something that people can do to alter the voice? Which is just yelling. <laughs> Am I somebody else now? <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen that character in like film and TV, right? Like yeah. I, I think of of uh, Twin Peaks, right? Where the the who's the agent that uh, that Lynch himself plays, right? Ooh. He plays the guy who was in some sort of. Uh, accident and uh, his hearing is gone right mm-hmm. so he says all of his lines a- agent cooper he says all of his lines at the t- and it's hilarious it's very distinctive right mm-hmm. again like let's not break our golden rule of don't get annoying with it right. yeah. <laughs> yeah so you you can introduce it that way and then let off of it right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah you know? Another another good thing that you just kind of said there was uh, using that example of David Lynch in Twin Peaks is uh, sometimes in my games when I'm trying to remember an NPC to repeat the voice, I just write down that like that exact thing. Right. Like so, next time I look at that card, I'm like, "What is this guy's voice?" And I'll say, "David Lynch from Twin Peaks." I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. Right. So you can do that for celebrities or whatever you can use to remember that voice. Mm-hmm. I'm actually taking a voiceover class right now and. Uh, one of the tips that our instructor has given is like, give the guy a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's great. And not yeah. a catchphrase that you necessarily have to use in the game, but a catchphrase for that voice. Yep. So like, I, for in that instance, I might use, I might write down like, Agent Cooper in all cap. Agent Cooper. I know who that, I don't have to say Agent Cooper, right. but I know who he is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, so, so, and maybe that catchphrase is something from, you know, fiction mm-hmm. or cartoons or whatever, right, mm-hmm. that, that, that you can use. But it's, it's a great shorthand of if you can hear it in your head, you know, of... A, a character voice really is just a different way of singing, mm-hmm. right? It is literally music. It has a tone that goes up and down in terms of like a, a, a musical tone. It has cadence. It has a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It has syncopation. There are pauses and rests. You know, there's harmonies and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. The, the lesson applies a lot in terms of if you think of it as a musical experience that will certainly guide you. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of it that way. That's yeah. interesting. It's the same thing for dialects or, or accents. You you have your phrase that gets you into it. Like mine was always, sure. I want to dance gate for Irish. Oh. For 46 years, Philip, I had a few. Oh. Yeah, or things like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps, it, it helps you kind of like lock into what that, what that, yeah. uh, what that character is. Super useful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think some, so the whisper is, is the, like the easiest voice to do. And it's something that we don't think about, right? But also, you know, like you say, you modulate the volume, you know, be very loud with the character or whatever. But, but I think the whisper, especially for fantasy RPGs, is a very simple go-to kind of thing. The next step along that is like, okay, well, what other variations are there? Well, I can, I can raise my voice up higher. I can change the pitch so that it gets higher. Until it almost goes, until it goes into a falsetto up here, right? Right. Um, and I likewise, I can lower my voice. I can lower it down here, and it actually goes into a bass falsetto down here. That's what that sound is, right? So that's mm-hmm. actually um, you can play. You can play that range within your own vocal range, but not everybody has that much range, right? Sure, that's something that you can you can you can fiddle with, and you can learn. But the part of range that you do have a lot of control over, no matter whether you're a soprano or an alto or a tenor or a bass or what have you, is is in your pacing, right? Mm-hmm. So, is this person really hyped up and they talk really fast? They really like to get things going and they own, their, their brain goes in a million places all at a different time. 
Or is it just a little more, I don't know, ponderous and slow? Which is a right? tone. So, <laughs> so that, that's that's the other part of the range that you can play. Regardless of whether you can make your voice go high or go, go low, you always have control over how fast you talk. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing how much just that pacing, like you're saying, makes a huge difference in a distinct character. I will also say sort of along those lines, because what I have a hard time with sometimes is coming up with what the character's like. Mm-hmm. And I like for my Mysterium uh, mini campaign that I just ran on Saving Throw, uh, pretty much all the NPCs, the whole thing was based on Downton Abbey. In my mind, the butler was a butler from Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. The the cook was a cook from Downton Abbey, etc. And I just, that for me, without even getting overly, I tried not to overly focus on voices and focus more on what that energy was. And I felt like that's one of the big things to me is it's really easy to overthink it, which is, Mm -hmm. I think is sort of what you're talking about too, Tom. If it's like, well, you can whisper, you can get louder, things like that. It's so easy for me to overthink and go, oh, I have to do so much more. But sometimes just picking somebody that I, I have seen and I know, and just putting that in my head, it comes out mm-hmm. without even realizing it. And that, yeah. that to me is, is, is also something to really keep in mind. Don't overthink it. Let it be something simple. You'll surprise yourself by what actually comes out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, the, the, a, a great piece of advice from improv that I think also applies here is start with one specific detail and just sort of just keep hitting it with mm-hmm. a hammer to see where it bends and shifts and shapes to, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that might be, you might actually like literally give a character a catchphrase mm-hmm. or, or a verbal tick. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just say right all the time, right? Maybe right, maybe right is what they like, to, you know, they like to be right, right? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> maybe. Now the question, it starts to get you to think about the character. Are they... Are they seeking approval all the time? Is that why they keep saying right all the time? Mm-hmm. Is it something that's sort of like a, a throwaway or does it mean something more? Like, is there something about their right hand side? Right. You know, there's there's different, you can kind of spitball of like, where does that take me? What does that mean? And then he always says right with a question mark. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, one other thing I want to talk about is, so... Uh, if you're just starting out in voices, one thing you can do is speed and pacing and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, if you can raise your pitch or lower it, that's good too. Another thing I want to say is like tone, as we're talking about tone, tone is very important for voices. But in another way, presence is also important. And it's about how you deliver that at the table. And by, by that I mean like usually 90% of the time you're sitting in a chair talking to people in chairs. But what if like if you are playing a king who's giving a speech to an army you instead stand up and start walking around while you're giving this speech. Like it, it gives people the presence of like, oh, they're doing something a little different. This means something. Or if you're playing like a prisoner in a cell, you like hide under the table a little bit, act a little, uh, a little scared of things and just, just see where that takes you. And this is obviously a little more advanced than just doing a voice. Right. It's a little more uh-huh. acting, but like just, just using your environment to add to that flavor a little yeah, more. Yeah, definitely. I also think sort of along what you're talking about, if it is affecting tone, you have, you have to think about your players and how you're going to present that and make sure that it doesn't ruin your tone as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Because for some people at the table, they're like, why is the DM walking around? Yep, right. You know, they absolutely. might be like, what is yeah. this? He's into that. <laughs> sure. And the, but for some, they might be like, whoa, this is the coolest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to our golden rule, right? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think you can also take, you know, take some consideration with how far you go with any of that stuff. We just mm-hmm. talked about like introducing a catchphrase or a verbal tick for your character. Maybe there's, you know, maybe they, you know, swear by the gods all the time. Oh, I swear by the gods. But you can also take that technique and apply it to phys- something physical. So maybe they have a physical tick. Like maybe they always, you know, have, maybe they're always pawing at, the, at their nose with one of their fingers, you know, mm-hmm. not like, trying to pick their nose, but maybe they always put their finger on the side of their nose when they're thinking, or maybe they rub their forehead all the time, or maybe they always look down. Those are small, sort of very contained and non-threatening type of Mm -hmm. gestures that as opposed to like standing up at the table and kind of dominating the table with your presence, which is a legit move, but you know, Instead of that, maybe the king is always in thought, so he has one arm crossed under his armpit. He's always rubbing his brow kind of pensively, thinking, you know, because he's so worried about what's going on. So you can start with these sort of, 
I don't know. I'm not a big, like, I'm personally not a big method actor in terms of, like, let's build up the internal life of this character and sure. then right. figure out how it's expressed through the body. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of an outside-in type of actor of, like, okay, so this guy was wounded in a duel with the infamous black crusader uh so his left arm doesn't work so he keeps it tucked under now what does that what does that kind of feel like and then what does it make me actually like feel emotionally do i feel kind of like oh well now my breathing is heavy and then everything seems kind of depressed and downtrodden and well if you adventurers want to go out and take care of that bear i I don't see why I should stand here and stop you. Why don't you take my sword over in the corner and see what you can do with it? It's not doing me any good anymore. And that just comes from the physical posture of changing, you know, the way that I'm sitting and the way my limbs are positioned and the way I I touch my face and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. So you can start with these small things and just let them sort of snowball into the world of of imagination and get inspired. Find something that inspires you, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the main key to doing any voice is what is the thing that inspires you and what sort of result are you intending to get to with it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, what about using accents at a table? Now, that's, this is advanced stuff. Like, we're talking about, when we're talking about uh, voices as music, like, this is another level of that, you know? It, I think it is. I, for me, uh, accents are way easier than oh. voices. Voices completely intimidate me. Accents is something that I can go, oh, yeah, I can do an accent. I love accents. Super, I may not always be amazing at them, but I'm super interested in getting better. Um, so I think... I think so you were saying this earlier, Tom. There's there's so many resources now with the this lovely thing called the internet, in which you can learn any accent you could ever imagine existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also I think with accents, uh, the big thing to me, yes, you don't necessarily want to do. It, it comes back to tone. You don't want to pick up a ridiculous accent if you're trying to do uh, something more serious because your players might not be able to take you seriously if you're doing a Swedish chef accent in a horror game or something like that. Um, but but accents. Sort of like the whisper, they don't have to. You don't have to do a whole lot. They don't have to be perfect. That's my that's my big thing with with accents. Um, but I do imagine for some people they are way more intimidating than doing a voice. Probably much easier to whisper than do a British accent. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I think I think one thing to keep in mind is that we are generally playing in a fantasy world that is thoroughly and utterly created right it is it is a manufactured space of imagination so if you keep that in mind it's like no there is no perfect british accent there's just this accent that the elves have right Mm -hmm. right and yeah maybe they don't do it exactly like you know in received pronunciation or whatever <laughs> the, the our world equivalent is, but you can give yourself permission as the GM to go. Well, guess what? In this world, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. What well, they sound like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can do the same thing that we talked about earlier too, where you introduce the accent heavily on the front end, and then you kind of like let it go if mm-hmm. you want to, right? Um, yeah, I think YouTube is a great uh, resource. It it is like learning to play an instrument, right? So you have to listen to it. And you have to practice it in order to 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 get it down. So you can go to YouTube. You, you could honestly like start learning a foreign language, right? Like mm-hmm. I think you know Duolingo and all this sort of stuff. Uh, I know for me personally, having learned German and then lived in Germany for a year has made a huge difference in my ability to do a bunch of different pronunciation and whatnot with my mouth. Like Mm -hmm. there are, there's, there's a muscle memory that you develop with any repeated activity. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing that you probably do the most besides walking, maybe even more than walking is talking, right. Especially in a D and D game, but in your own personal life, you probably talk way more than you do anything else, which means the muscle memory for how you pronounce things and the way things come out of your mouth is incredibly strongly ingrained. If you learn a foreign language or you attempt to learn a foreign language, you'll start breaking up that ingrained, you know, trained response that your jaw and your tongue and your airway, your breath support, all that sort of stuff 
the way that that all normally interacts gets broken up when you have to say something in a foreign language, when you have to pronounce you umlaut or a umlaut or whatever it is. It's amazing how hard it is. I, I, I learned, I spent about three months trying to learn German specifically too. And it is, it's interesting. And German especially is interesting because it's very similar to English, but there are so many sounds that are so different. And you're just like, oh, why won't my mouth do this? <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that that's when, when you want to learn an accent, you should try and cons- listen to as much of the of, of that accent as you can, like consume it in whatever various media forms you want to want to consume it in. Um, and then you should also like practice trying to make those sounds with your mouth. And, and I think the best way to practice those things is honestly like with something that you have in your pocket called your phone. <laughs> you have a recorder in your hand, you know. 90% of your day, well, maybe people don't hang on. <laughs> I'm always checking my phone, but, but you have you have this great tool where you can record yourself and then play back and hear what your players are going to hear, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And decide if that's if that's what you want to follow through on. Yeah. 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 Um, so now that we've broken down the fundamentals of uh, characters and voices, mm-hmm. uh, let's do a fun exercise where we do some voices on the spot. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm so. going to come up with a uh, with a uh, an NPC. I'm just going to make one up on the fly, and mm-hmm. then Megan, you're going to do a voice for that NPC. Okay. And then you're going to do the same for Tom, and Tom will do it for me, and we'll do it just a, one round, I guess. We'll see okay. how it goes. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Okay. I've been thinking all game about this. Oh God, that sounds bad. Uh, how about um, an old shopkeeper? <laughs> an old shopkeeper. An old shopkeeper um, who used to be a wizard. Who <laughs> used to be a wizard. Um, uh, an old shopkeeper. Uh, honestly, I would probably immediately make him British. Um, I think you do that for a lot of your characters. I do because British. I watch a lot of BBC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, British comes very easy to me. Also, uh, because old voices I find very difficult and intimidating. Um, That's so, kind of why I said it because I don't think I don't think I've heard you mm-hmm. do an old person's voice. No, I always I I I I. It shuts me down. I don't. I immediately go. Oh, I don't know how to do that. They're British. Then they'll they'll talk like this. Um, yeah. But I would probably make. Uh, so so like I was saying before, I tend to go for energy uh, and accent more than a particular voice mm-hmm. because that does shut me down, and that's the opposite of what I want when I'm playing a game. I don't want sure. my brain to shut down. So um, I would probably go for. If he used to be a wizard, it makes me think very much of like Merlin from Sword in the Stone. So he'd be kind of like a, a spry old man mm-hmm. who uh, who uh, ran about his shop. And he'd probably make some sort of interesting little knickknacks. And so he would probably have uh, one of those more high-pitched uh voices for an old man and you know he and he would be uh very excited by um little knickknacks that came by and, mm-hmm. and probably very distractible but he would also have lots of good information if you could nail him down okay. for long enough so uh do you yeah. want to give it a spin i don't know i don't want to put you on the spot <laughs> but i am uh, kind of putting you on the spot you are exactly putting me on the spot yeah i don't know entirely i think he would just be sort of like uh i don't know i'm trying to think of something specific to say if um, he he was like, oh, here's this little elephant uh, or something like that. It'd probably be along those lines. And just like I did, I might actually lose the accent because uh, like in my Mysterium game, I had a little boy who was British, uh, completely turned uh, like turned into a New Yorker over and over and over again, which was really interesting. And I sort of did what you were talking about, just let the accent go because I was like, it's not happening. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I think that's... Honestly, like that's a good illustration of a common problem that most all of us, regardless of our training and experience and background, have is that you will find that an accent the more you you try to do it, the more it'll drift sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Where it Absolutely. starts as one thing. It starts as German, then it becomes Russian, then uh-huh. it goes into New York and you're like it's it's kind of like all over the place. And I think you know, one of the tricks is Practice, 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 mm-hmm. um, and also kind of listen to those different kind of columns of sound and know what New York means, have a very specific idea of what that is and kind of what that vocabulary is like. But I think some of the 
some of the trouble is when you when you use this approach of like, okay, I've got a catchphrase, right? But then you have to explain something that's outside of whatever the normal kind of sphere of pronunciation is, then all of a sudden you start to go, I don't know, wait a minute, how do they say Y sounds? Right. Like, what is, what is yep and yours sound like? I don't, um, let's see, do they, you know, like in German, it's like a yup, yup, you know, like they don't, their Y is pronounced like a J. It's very yeah. weird. Whoa. Well, this is something actually just along those lines that I ran into uh, when I started doing the, um, the job I do in the weekends where I play costume characters and do sword fights for kids' birthday parties. So I play Ray and a few other characters that have accents. Uh, I had never done an accent improv before. I've oh. always, and this is probably not something if you're not an actor, you'd never run right. into. But normally I'm learning my accent on lines. And yeah. so I can go through the line and go, oh, well, this is how I say this word. Right. And and doing an accent improv is much harder. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I learned I can do it, but it, it is. It's like what you're saying. It's way more difficult because you do run into things and your muscle memory kicks in for whatever your normal accent is. And you want to go back to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Or some other random accent that for some reason your mouth, mouth wants to do. Right. So, right. Yeah. Okay. It's do interesting. You want, do you want to give Tom yes. one? Yes. Okay. Oh. All right. So, Tom's very experienced, so give him a hard one. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah, this, easy on this is a shopkeeper. <laughs> this is a shopkeeper. That's it. Normal shopkeeper. Uh, no, this is going to be a merman. Uh, who, <laughs> wow, what? Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> who, uh, let's see. A merman who uh, has is completely displaced from his mermaid tribe. I think they, you know, that they they live exiles. Sure, yeah, he's exiles, mm-hmm. and um, he's uh, he's injured um, and beached. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> merman exiled beached. Now, um, so so let's make this more of a, a practical exercise, right? So we know <sighs> we know who his, you know, sort of what his heritage or ethnicity, if you want to call it that. What that is, right? What species he is. Mm -hmm. And we know his circumstance in Mm -hmm. terms of he's injured and stranded. Mm -hmm. In our our voiceover acting class, one of the character approaches is this sort of like break down the character. What's his physiology like? So one of the, that might be anything from, you know, how much weight he carries to how old he is to, you know, mm. anything kind of like physical about him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so is this a young merman or an old merman? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll say young. Young, okay, all right. Uh, and does he have an average build? Is he scrawny? Is he heavy? Uh, we'll say scrawny. Uh-huh, okay. So so we have kind of like a, a physiology, like that's one level of it, right? And then... Um, what about sociology? Is he what's what's his what's his what's his background? What's his class? Where does what's his station in life? Is he regal? Is he middle class? Is he poor? Um, uh, in a tribe setting, I'd say he's just a, he's just a normal peasant. Uh huh. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, but still, like that still places him within the hierarchy, right? right? Like normal peasant still means that there's a whole layer of nobility above him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, finally, there's the the psychology of the character, right? So, mm-hmm. like, what what state of mind does does he have? What is he what is he obsessed or excited with? What is he afraid of? Um, you know, part of sociology too would be not psychology, but sociology would be like what's his education level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which might be different than is he smarter or dumb, right? But mm-hmm. Do, do you do you think this is an educated character or is it a uh, less educated. less educated? Okay, and then in terms of psychology, is there anything that he is? We know that he's stranded and he's injured, so he's probably afraid of possibly dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he clearly probably wants help, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is is there any other sort of psychological kind of dimensions that you want to add to the character? So in, t- in terms of his psychology, is there anything that he is curious about, that he is excited by, afraid of, besides what's obvious in the given circumstance? Uh, I mean, I think he maybe is uh, brash. He did something he shouldn't have that got him exiled. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, so, so that now, now that colors in a picture that's far different than the scrawny, 
merman stranded on the beach that I was picturing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got a little bit of uh, <clears throat> of uh, gumption. Mm-hmm. All right. So what does this character sound like? I'm going to come up with a random name here. Name generator? All right. I name it using my name generator. Does is, it have merman? Does it have merman? No, it does not. <laughs> uh, but it has Aladrin. I'm going to use that. Oh, Adamar. That's a good name. All right. Pardon me. Ooh, that sounded really old. <laughs> that came really out really old. old. The oldest. I was trying to do very weak and feeble, and I came out really old. Excuse me. Can you, can you help me? Uh, I've been washed up upon these rocks. And I, I, I need. I can't walk because I have a tail. <laughs> Could you be so kind as to carry or perhaps drag me by the arms gently, please, down, down to the water's edge, that I might rejoin my people. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm, That's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah, you, I don't you think almost... it, was, it was as young, I don't think it was as young as I wanted it to go. <laughs> well, sure. And you almost went off tone there with the whole. Um, I have a tail was... because I have. I yeah, can't because he has a tail. Yeah, because it was I have like, a tail. Because we were like, huh? and then, but you went right back into it after. So yeah, I mean, I don't think that most people want to play a super bummer game of Dungeons no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> but you're right, you're right. If, if if I was trying to to convey the gravity of the situation, it is probably... Uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting because a merman is a very specific sort of yeah. like oddball kind of character, right? Mm-hmm. It's literally a fish out of water, and it's one of those fantasy tropes that you don't... I find I don't think you interact with a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're actually in the water. Mm-hmm. Like to encounter one on land is interesting. It's an interesting situation, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's also easy to sort of play it as 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 sort of a joke. It's the, mm-hmm. right. the character's a little the char- the the idea of a merman is admittedly kind of silly just mm-hmm. on its own, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. Are you ready, Garav? Go for me. All right. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to generate a random deity using my phone. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that deity is called Cadsarg the Wicked. Cadsarg the Wicked. Mm-hmm. So am I? Am I a deity then? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, you oh. are a demigod. You are immoral and evil. Cadsarg the Wicked. Uh, you favor air, bards, the moon, ingenuity, coasts, and charm. It's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> Let's just say that you're in charge of uh, air and the moon. Okay. That's your portfolio. It's the, the heavens. Okay. I, I will say when I planned this exercise, it was just going to be me giving a character and then you guys just doing the ways. But you guys explained your intentions. Yeah. So I guess I should do that too. You yeah. don't have to. Do it however it works for you. No, I do want to explain what, what my thought process is. So, Cadsarg. As soon as you said Cadsarg, for some reason I thought of a character that was really large and rotund. I think because of the Sarg part for some reason. <laughs> the way that sounds to me mm-hmm. is, a, is a very... Maybe not jolly because he's evil. He's an evil deity. But uh, someone with a deeper voice. And maybe they're always like... They're evil and... It was a deity of what? Did you say that it was specifically? The heavens. Oh, the heavens. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe they're like a gluttonous person in heaven. Mm-hmm. Where they're like... They, they got to heaven. They became a deity. But they just use all the resources in heaven to help themselves. So there's like... Oh, bring me those grapes. Oh, Todd mm. Sarg wants some more grapes. And he also talks in the third person, maybe, because that's what he thinks of himself. Mm-hmm. He became a deity when he got to heaven. Mm-hmm. And in, in that sense, he thinks more of himself than anybody else. And even though he is in heaven, he's still evil. So it's an odd juxtaposition, isn't it? For someone to be in heaven, but also be evil, but to be the deity of heaven. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, the heavens. 
the mm-hmm. heavens. So right. one of maybe they're more than one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think when I use that term, what I mean specifically is like the skies and the stars and the moon. Oh, okay. I, I meant the saying. heavens in terms of like an astronomical experience as opposed to like heaven, the concept of heaven. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'd stick pretty close to my original voice and... It sounds kind of old, too, but I don't want it to be... We keep going old with this. Yeah. Uh, Bring me some wine, some of that heavenly wine that we keep in the closet of heaven. Made of clouds, probably. I don't know what a closet's made of in clouds. Cadzog the wicked demands it. Bring it to me. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Very good. Um, so that's a funnel exercise we did, guys, and uh, I think it's time for the, the question, question of the so so He caught on really well. He caught on really well for that. What? Great. I've heard it before. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay, so this question comes from the R D and D subreddit, and the question is uh, by someone named utred seventy seven, and it says. Is it best to keep my mouth shut around new players when encountering something that only I know? And they go on to say, I've played for a good while, enough to know about certain monsters. However, I'm playing in a group of new players, and I've been pretending that I don't know what it is. Um, And he goes on to say basically that, you know, like an example that I'll give is like, when you're playing with a group that hasn't played before and you've encountered a troll before, you probably know that they're weak to fire, and that's like a big thing. Once you know they're weak to fire, they're pretty easy to kill. But if your group has never played and they don't know about that uh, that about trolls, they'll have a tough time. But you should probably let them have that tough time to learn about the world in a natural way. Instead of you being like, oh, guys, no, I, f- I fought a troll. No, it's fire. Just you get someone get a torch out. Throw it at them. I think it really depends upon the game. I think it really depends. Like, if, if it's just like, oh, random encounter troll, uh, which I don't know what this game is. But if it's something like that, then... then depending upon the other people at the, the table, it might be more beneficial to be like, oh, I know how to handle this. Uh, but if, if, if it's like the main bad guy that you guys are fighting and that's part of the experience, then no, I wouldn't tell them. As long as it's also fun for you at the table. I don't mean go, well, I'm. it's only fun for me if I tell you how to kill this thing. Screw all of your you guys' fun. But, uh, but yeah, I think it really depends upon the setting more than anything. I think generally I would say no, don't tell though. Because, because right. yeah, I think that does potentially ruin the experience for the other players but i don't know i think it just people people enjoy different aspects of of playing rpgs some people it's it's more fun to min max and 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 um you know figure out quickly how to take care of something and then go do that they have more fun in the actual act of battle or whatever it is than discovering something like that but for other players, they might want to discover. And if you take that from them, then that might suck. Yeah, I was... I Like, the way I hear this question is in the context of we're all sitting down to play D&D and I've got three new players and somebody else is DMing and I'm the old hand at it and I have all of this knowledge, kind of insider knowledge about how the game works and should I tip my hand on that or should I keep my mouth shut and let the let the people at the table discover it for themselves and I tend to err on the side of keep your mouth shut don't use the experience that you have as sort of a cudgel a, you know to browbeat the other players and be like no 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 hang on this is what we need to do mm. you know I, I always I've, I've seen that go badly so many times and it really has this unfortunate effect of squelching new players enthusiasm where they're like well how was i supposed to okay well why don't we just play the way you want to play chad right you know and and it and it and it makes them it it makes them self-conscious and it also makes them feel like they're alienated from the experience of what's happening at the table like oh i'm not playing D D right or, mm-hmm. or I'm I'm dumb. I should have known that somehow, even though there's no way that they should have known. Yeah. Um, it's funny because my wife is running a, a game of her own, and she's got three 
like squeaky clean newbies, right? Hmm. Never played D&D. And then she's got one woman in her group who's played tons of D&D, played Adventures League and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but she is having the best time of just like letting those guys uh, yeah. like get into all kinds of trouble. And like, you know, the, I think one of the beautiful things, especially when you're fresh to D&D, and I remember this like the very first time I sat down to play, it's, the, it's that, that, that wonderful moment where you get to visualize what's happening as a brand new D&D player, right? And it's not spoiled by anybody else's input or idea. The first character that I rolled up was a barbarian and he had two battle axes, right? And and we played, it was me and one other kid and he was like, oh yeah, I'll run Keep on the Borderlands for you, right? I was like, okay, whatever. I don't know what that is, but it sounds fun. And so I took my barbarian character and I was dual wielding these these hand axes and I thought it was the coolest thing. And I'm picturing this in my mind. It was this amazing scene. And uh, I went into this cave and I'm, and he's like, okay, well, there's a, there's a sack in the back of the cave. There's a couple st- uh, stacks of grain and then there's an old kind of like worm-eaten sack sitting there in the corner. And I'm like, oh, I go pick it up. I want to see if there's any gold in there. And he's like, okay, you pick it up and this giant caterpillar springs out and starts to attack. And so roll for initiative. And oh, we're swinging, we're fighting. And I don't remember if it stung me or not. All I remember is like, okay, I killed it and I chop its head off. And he's like, great. And I'm like, wow, that must be really amazing. Like, I can't believe I just killed this thing that's like 15 feet tall. And he's like, no, it's it's only like, it's like 22 inches. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? You said it's a giant caterpillar. And I'm like, I must have like, it must be like easily like three times my size. He's like, no, look right here in the monster manual. It says 24 inches is size small. It's, it's giant for a caterpillar. It's a giant caterpillar. And I was like, so sort of like crestfallen, right? But, but, but. Before he had explained that to me, there was that moment of imagination where I was yeah. completely engaged. I was picturing the scene. I was exploring, you know, the, the the dimensions of what was happening in that thing. And when you have somebody else at the table, imagine somebody else at the table had just like right in the middle of the combat and go, dude, that thing's only like 22 inches. Why don't you just kick it away? <laughs> I'd be like, what? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that would have been so lame. You know, it's like like it just it 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 undercuts your experience. It's like having the cheat codes to a video game, except the cheat yep. codes are literally like flashing on the screen yeah. at you mm-hmm. while you're playing yeah. the game, and you're like, oh, oh, and in fact, it takes over the controller and just yeah. ends the thing. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What oh. happened? Okay. Yeah. That's All right. No Sorry. The worst video game ever. <laughs> yeah. So. So my advice would be like keep it to yourself, and and even though. It's difficult to not speak up necessarily. Like if the party, I don't know. I, I would say just like have and give yourself the gift of sitting back and watching these people learn this stuff mm-hmm. anew. Yeah. Right? Because the, the the real thing is once they get past kind of like the five sessions or the six sessions of D&D where they are getting acclimated to everything... Once they've been indoctrinated into the culture, there's no going back for them, right? So if you spoil it for them, yeah, you're mm-hmm. sort of like spoiling the experience. Yeah, you, you, you're getting them to a, a almost like a cynical place that they're going to get to at some point anyhow. Where you're like, okay, ghouls, well, all right, everybody stand back, don't let them touch you. Try right. and take uh, them out with arrows. We're gonna okay. And as soon as you see a troll, all right, well, who's got some fire? Yeah. And it, and it no longer becomes this enchanting, intimidating, magical experience that's mm-hmm. a voyage of the imagination. It's just like, let's tick off our tactics box here. All right, yeah. so you're going to burn it when I'm going to hit it. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. our answer to that question is, yes, shut your mouth. Let imagination flourish. Just let it take so. yeah. over. Mm-hmm. But but also enjoy, like, like sit back and... And and enjoy what's happening in front of you. Yeah. Like watching these people go through this journey, right? Yeah. It can be beautiful. <laughs> Role playing can be beautiful. What a, what a great note to end it on, guys. Um, so that's our episode. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for thank joining us. Yeah, appreciate thank you. you for inviting me. This is super fun. Um, do you want to give out your socials of anything you want to talk about? I'm at Dungeon Bastard on Twitter. That's where you can find me and all of my role playing related musings. Anything else is just 
politics and pictures of my dog. And while we <laughs> don't have enough pictures of my dog on the internet yet, we have plenty of my politics on the on the internet. Thank you very much. So at Dungeon Bastard, all one word. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, and hopefully we'll have you back pretty soon. Yeah. Very um, And uh, we're going to do our sign-off, but I have to explain before we do our sign-off what it is. One, because uh, it's very similar to the sign-off we do on Iron Keep, <laughs> but it's not that. Although we always end up making it look that yes, way. Yes, we sort of do it. We say, let's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I have but, listened to the show before. I just, I just want to make that super okay. clear so you don't accidentally say, let's dungeon. So when we do this, don't say Let's Dungeon. Wow, I think you're making it worse. I just want to make sure that nobody says Let's Dungeon. You planted an evil seed in my mind. Okay, ready? Uh We're going to end the episode. Great episode, everybody. Let's go! We did it. This podcast has been a saving throw production. You can connect with us on Twitter at exppointerspod, and you can follow each of the hosts on Twitter at their respective handles. Jordan is at Jordan Callerman, Megan is at Megan Caves, and Garav is at Double GXG. You can also watch us streaming RPGs and more at the Saving Throw Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash savingthrowshow. If you want to listen to new episodes of this podcast early, consider becoming a Saving Throw Patreon backer. Patrons at the $10 and up level can listen to new episodes a week early. You can also help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you found it to get the word out. Thanks for listening.